This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the editor for Flea. Janusz Bileskov-Jansen. Oh, lige en smule op. Bare lidt. Så hvis du ligesom lukker øjnene nu. Ja. Og prøver at trække vejret sådan dybt ind. Hvad betyder ordet hjem for dig? Hjem er noget, som er trygt. Kabul, les attaques des Mujahideen, repris. Jeg har fortalt din livshistorie før. Nej. Vi skal ud. Det er nu. Du er med din indjørbosje. Min dårlige medier er, at min bror han bliver tilbage. Vi flygtede med menneskesmuglen. Bajekale! Det værste mennesker i mit liv. Har du fortalt Kasper nogle af de her historier overhovedet? Nej. Det tager tid at ståle på folk. Det går rundt. Og tænk tilbage. Så det er min fortid, og det jeg kan ikke flygte fra det. Jeg har ikke lyst. Jeg kan mærke, at der skal ske noget. So you are um, kind of the king of the Danish editing scene because you edited for Thomas Vinterberg, most recently Another Round, correct? You also have done Nicholas Winding Refn and uh, Billy August and Pele the Conqueror and other films. And um, so you've been around for a long time in the, the Danish scene even before this. Tell me a little bit about how you kind of ended up working with everybody and in turn how you ended up on flea the day after tomorrow i'm turning 70 and uh, i started thank you and i started out in the the age of 18 i ended up in the editing room just by fate and uh, i ended in the editing room next to one of uh, a very young great fantastic editor that uh, took care of me for the next couple of years Unfortunately, he died very young in the age of 40, 10 years later, but that was uh, actually my start. And if we're talking about what Danish film 
is and why you know it has become quite successful. He is a great part of this. His name is Christian Hardcock. You will never know him and don't never need to mention his name. But what was uh, the change there in the 70s and throughout the 70s, because before that, the editing room has really been a closed place. Everybody will just close the door. Oh, you cannot see anything. Oh, stay away. You can see it in the opening night and things like that. And then, you know, when you show it in the opening night, it's too late if there's anything that could be much edited and much better, you know, that you can have. So what Christian there and what we were taught was that open up the editing room, come and watch, look into it, see, tell me what you think, you know, why we are still in the process of working. And trust people coming into you know, and uh, suddenly, slowly over the seventies, we opened up the editing room and had other part of people coming in, people that we trusted, and uh, making screenings and uh, just to know screenings, just to know whether we were on the right track. Is that really getting our point across to the audience? And when we started in the film school and teaches the film school, I, I never went to film school, but we started mm-hmm. it in the uh, late 70s and into the 80s. And um, my tutor, he died, unfortunately, mm. and I and another. It is the time to go over uh, the uh, teaching at the film school, the, especially the editors, but also uh, the directors. It was something very important to say, use each other. Don't ever, you know, close you into yourself or but and, and, and building, open it up, use each other. And that has been a, a, a fantastic thing and uh, has actually changed the English film and made it what it is today. If you go abroad to, uh, to other countries in Scandinavia, the film industry can be a very close as well. So when we go there as consultants, they experience something completely new. And, so um, from there, and I, I started out. So I started out, you know, studying editing feature films in a very young age, because uh, there was a lot of things happening there. And when um, all the good editors was taken, you know, they <laughs> went further down and down. And then, in the very end, you know, we young people got the got the chance and sitting there and editing a film, you know, sweating and really having very bad conscience because we thought, oh my goodness, it's 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 a pity for this film that it's I who was editing it. It was much better for the film is for somebody else of uh, the good editors. But uh, it's my film. It's mine. You know, I have to prove what I can do. So that was a starting point. And then we are into the eighties. I met Billy in the nine in the seventies, and so that's forty two years ago or something like that. And uh, we have done films ever since, and still today. And over those period of time, I've met a tremendous amount of different uh, editors. A lot of the uh, films that we have been editing, you said, you know, Thomas Winterberg. And, uh, uh, but I work very closely with uh, a, uh, a younger, a little younger other editor that over the last 20 years, we have developed a specific uh, way of uh, relying on each other which is different from other editors that I have worked with and, and do work with. But this is, a, you know, what is it you say? It's called a, a partner in crime. 
<laughs> yes. Really, and that's what we do, you know, with the Thomas Winterberg film. And she is also coming in. Her name is Anna Bristol. And you mentioned uh, Young, or uh, uh, Nicholas Wittengreifen. Mm-hmm. She's actually the one who is editing these uh, three pusher film with him. But I come in, I came in yeah. uh, late in the process and helped it, helping out there. That was the way that she was coming in there, helping out. Then I was coming in. She was coming in on my film in the end. And finally, over the years, we figured out, you know, that we, it was something that we could do uh, on, on uh, do together. Yeah. And that's fantastic. That was really, that, that needs came because for the first 25 years, I worked on a, on a flat fence, really editing film, film. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and there, there you had, you know, okay. uh, it was completely different, but that was the way that you did. I mean, there was no discussions about whether it was good or bad. That was the way in order to edit film. So that was the instrument, so to speak. But you needed assistance there, one or two assistants who were actually physically next to you and actually taking part of the discussions with you and with, with, with me and my director. And, that, and then when we went into digital, it suddenly became very lonely. Yeah. It, I, mean, I could get in in the morning, push the button, and nobody needs there. Maybe the director will come in later. So the need of working together is also a question of I don't want to be alone. Yeah. All day. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, you know, I I was in film school back in the day, and we used to call it the uh the editing suite psychosis because you'd go down there and you would uh when the sun was out and you'd come up and the sun was down and you hadn't seen anyone all day and time has no meaning. So if you don't have people there, I get that. Exactly, exactly. And some people, you know, find it uh, a kind of way of meditate, med- meditate, mm. med- meditation. But uh, and, and some others, you know, come in in the editing room. You know, they can sit down for. Aren't you doing something? Or what? tell the story. What, what's happening? <laughs> really? And then they out again. Having having a photographer coming in is totally uh, insane most so- of the time. How did you end up on uh, on Flea specifically? I mean, you I guess you kind of cornered the market or at least close to it on, on Danish cinema editing, but how did Flea end up in your lap? I was approached from uh, Jonas, the director, mm-hmm. when he was still a student. Okay. And he was you know, asking me if I could you know, give him some uh, advice, editing the stu- the, uh, his piece there, final piece in the film school you know there's a, another film school in Denmark it's not national mm-hmm. film school in Denmark but another one which is called Super Super 16 okay. Super 16 which is a more an independent one which was actually created by uh, a good part of young people who was trying to enter the Danish film school but was rejected so they just made them all their own <laughs> and that has actually grown and been a very for, I think for the last Maybe twenty years or something. Wow. It's really something. Yeah. Uh, and and um, they get some money, and for the rest, we, a lot of of the people in the business come there and teach for free. But he, so he approached me on his last film at the film school, that little Super Sixteen, mm-hmm. and uh, 
and started out doing documentary and I came in on uh, in the process in the editing room and uh, made uh, you know analysis of what they were doing and uh, giving feedback of the problems that they thought they have or problems that I might think that they have or a solution that is a dialogue I do that a lot for Danish films and uh, and uh, also abroad I love that it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a fantastic you know, go in and, and, and see something completely fresh which is you know, it's not finished but still just take it in and uh, and reflect on it right away that is a very interesting thing you know it's a, and then going back to the Danish film school the way over the years in the 70s what was actually taught there as well is this very complicated thing of giving critique mm-hmm. you have to be it's, it's really it's not easy to critique which is actually possible for people to to work and also being in a uh, to learn how to receive critique because mm-hmm. critique is not necessarily something that goes against you that you Scott, you're doing terrible. You know? <laughs> oh, that's not what we're dealing with. You know, we are dealing with what can make it better to lift it up. What that's everything that we are talking about. And uh, well, the editing room, your call. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just pour myself a water. Some water. Sure. Um, so why why are we ending up with Flea? Yeah, but that's so. In in the he came forward with Flea while it was still in the. In very very early process, and mm-hmm. uh, some of the interviews has been done. Uh, he has been for a couple of years trying to actually made it as a conventional uh, documentary, oh, you know, really? following. Uh, yeah, so I mean, some of the scenes that you see with uh, animated scenes that you see with the, his boyfriend, for instance, and. And in the attic, uh, finding his uh, notebooks from when he arrived to Denmark, and where they are looking at houses and sitting there, that that is actually built on uh, filmed footage, not just uh, not just words. Was he- well, I, so at one point, was he going to try and showcase this just as a live action documentary? Because I thought he didn't want to reveal Amin's face. As- so it developed. Over the years, that that, that it, it became more and more complicated, uh, both because that Amin, which of course is not his real name, mm-hmm. you know, had uh, complicated of participating in, but also telling the Afghan story and telling the actually fleeing the many different uh, situations there, it uh, would be there would be a lot of things missing there, and then you could. Go in and add like uh, react reenactment, and that was nothing that we really would do, and and try to you know explain how was Campbell you know in the eighties. It was it was sort of so animation came in possibility, and also because of uh, uh, protecting Amin's identity. Mm-hmm. So they had been in a in a discussion about animation and that they have drawn up some small uh, some of the characters some of the uh, locations which are bought on what it could look like and then slowly they went into animatics these very black and white very very simple you know head you look you, know, you look straight you look to the left you look to the right. <laughs> Eyes open, mouth open. It looks terrible. 
So while actually editing the film as a documentary, I still feel, you know, it's important to say that it is, a doc- to me at least, it is a documentary which is animated. Mm-hmm. It's not an animated documentary because you, it's actually the documentary that comes first. Right. On which the, uh, the animation comes as a layer on top of it. And the way that it merged gives it a completely new dimension, you can say. Uh, so work with uh, very simple sketches of uh, the individual scenes, uh, Jess and uh, Kenneth was working at the same time, giving us possibilities. We will make changes in that. We will make changes in the actually dialogue uh, or the voiceover. And slowly we also figured out you know, what we were missing of uh, the understanding of the development of the child until the ending of Denmark in the uh, so 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And also understanding of the grown-up, uh, I mean, because you could say that the film is actually on two different levels. It's the, the, the kid's story, taking it into the flea and actually ending up that five or six years that it's spent. But it's also the grown-up that starts talking about it and explaining it, who has a, a development of mm-hmm. actually being asked all these questions and what it does to him. So you can see there's two line there that's ending up in uh, for, for the child or for um, the young admin, it ends up in a, uh, coming to the gay club you know, and, and actually being recognized by this uh, secret family mm-hmm. uh, and, and being accepted as, uh, as a homeschooling into this gay bar there that is just a full of life and you can hear the you can train his voice which is actually a, a, a Fantastic moment where, you know, documentary and animation works fantastic and yeah. in an outrageous way because it is out, it's authentic because the voice is authentic and yeah. the way that he actually did is authentic and, and private. And then the animation actually giving fully life to it in a, in a fantastic way. And then we still have the grown-up story and his development you know, with his boyfriend Mm-hmm. rejecting the boyfriend doesn't really uh, dare to go into a relationship because of what he had experienced in his whole uh, childhood and youth and teens and um, that needs and then comes the going to the New York going to back again to Copenhagen and uh, actually meets his fiance Kenneth Kenneth no his fiance, yeah. <laughs> um, in the, in, um, Casper, Casper, his okay, yeah, Casper yeah. uh, in the airport, and and that whole ending there, that was something that Jonas, the director, and his very best friend needed, you know, go to go back and 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 make new interviews and new discussions with him. We did that, and Jonas did that, you know, many times during the editing process. Where we needed, you know, more information, mm. deeper uh, emotional understanding of both the the boy and man, and then also uh, the grown up in the beginning of the thirties. I guess he was that. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. They both come in giftable boxes with savings up to $46 and free shipping for a limited time. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. So to be clear, your process was you got the audio and in some cases actual footage, you edited it as kind of a track together in a story that made sense. Then it was animated over and then I guess you edited that animation as well. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what it is, because it's also a, a question of budget, mm-hmm. uh, because we had to be, the edit that came from me, or the editing room, uh, had to be so precise, as, yeah. as not just as possible, but so precise, because mm-hmm. that was the amount of money that we had for the film, so the budget was in different things, it was the 2D fully color animated then it was um, archive material that was a little cheaper. So that was a budget for that. Uh, and then yeah. there's the black and white, uh, more scary, uh, frightened, uh, the unpleasant part of it. And that was not as expensive to do as the fully animated, mm-hmm. but more expensive than the archive. So we had to know to deal with the budget at the same time and knowing that all of these things that needed to be animated no more than we actually needed. Yeah. It's not so that you can over animate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally in the end, you will take a whole scene out. You know, it's dollars and dollars and dollars and dollars that would be too too expensive. We didn't have that uh, in the budget. That was not not possible. So you're right. We had the um, dialogue or the interview or the confessions or what you might call it when he's lying on the couch and everything was built on that Mm -hmm. from that was taking out stories that he told like uh, the way that um, he went up to the attic and found the uh, the book and that was no that was that sorry forget (laughs) about erase that i mean the boat scene for instance you know through the wood and uh, traveling with the boat it was uh, a lot of voiceover, but it was also actually acted out as mm. as a reactment, but in animation. Yeah. Uh, so there was a dialogue there. So what we did was in the beginning, we just worked with uh, Jonas' voice saying all the individual <laughs> uh, characters there, and uh, I'd also put some of the voices in there. So it was it looked you know terrible, but we had to imagine mm. it, and slowly we got in the, the actual lines were. In Russian, in in um, in Afghanistan, and that part of editing, like uh, half a year or seven months or something like that, and then they started fully animated. Then I was off the year, I guess, 
they just work with it. Then you're right. Then we had, you know, just a couple of weeks where the final film was totally animated. And we have found all the archive material, those that we could get and had the possibility to pay for, those that we couldn't get and had to exchange it with something else. So we had the film there. How did you get some of that archival footage? Like when um, they get stopped and they get taken back to was Albania or, um, you know, there, there's all this footage of the actual place that they were kind of, uh, they were stuck in before they got sent back. How did you find some of that footage? It's very interesting because uh, it was during the editing that we figured it out by other conversations with Amin that he actually was taking after after the boat, you know, they move their back and they are placed in this uh, horrible place where they have to live for half a year or something like that. And we start searching for, we knew the exact place. We start looking for if there was any kind of uh, footage from there. And actually there was some, I think it was some Finnish television station that had been there and filmed, been in and been out. So we went back, you know, and made new interview with, with Amin about being there and actually showed him it. And, and it was, you know, taking him, it took him back and he actually pointed out, you know, this, this is my, my, uh, my nephew. And uh, so it's fantastic that it actually is the right place where he, where he so was crazy. in the same period of time. Yeah, that's, that's uh, we didn't know that when we were and we didn't know that otherwise we probably had been in a situation where we had to animate some kind of a scene there, invent the scene. I mean, you do invent scenes. Yeah. Don't tell people, but you do. <laughs> so um, how much total interview and uh, audio footage did you have to edit down to this roughly hour and 45 minute film? I can't tell. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's. Uh, we made so many extra interview with with uh, and, and conversation with. Uh, I I didn't, but I mean, Jonas went back to I mean, and and uh, did additional where we had lined up uh, questions for him. Uh, it could both be you know concrete what happened actually there and there and try to get into that, and uh, the way that Jonas was uh, interviewing him or, or having these conversations uh, of all it. Was still that he placed it on on a, on a sofa, not exactly the same, but that's mm-hmm. but placing them, you know, lying down because uh, the human voice changes radically if you are sitting on a, on a chair or if you're standing up or if you're lying down. So all of the all of the conversation that I have is lying down. We went back. I I, I don't know how many times, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I hundreds I of hours. Say, would you say? Enough to work with. I, I wouldn't. I don't. At the most. Yeah. I think we're about to run out of time. So uh, before we go, um, any particularly fun memories from making this project? Is there, uh, or is there a particular Easter egg in there? Just like, uh, give me something that this project means to you, I guess. I don't know if it's personally, because when we were still working with the film, with this uh, uh, black and white uh, animatic, on a, on a poor stage. And we had some screenings uh, for, for friends and uh, colleagues, and we had it for uh, some audience to figure out where it was, where we were and understanding. And people were moved. Mm-hmm. And I was actually crying 
Mm. And that was really fantastic because it was just this black and white. It was not really nothing. And at that moment, I really got scared <laughs> because, of, okay, if people get this moved by black and white, where you don't really see that much, is what is going to happen when it's all fully animated? Will it take the spell out of it? Will it disappear? You know, suddenly. So I really was anxious to what, what is actually going to, because, you know, when it's just black and white, it's, and, and nothing really, the audience could put in so much uh, uh, of their own thoughts and, and um, reading their mind, you know, in, in a completely different way. But it didn't. And that was, that was fantastic. That was really, that was really something. And, uh, well, you know, editing is you go into the editing room at eight o'clock in the morning and you leave it at six, six thirty, and, uh, you come again next morning and uh, <laughs> that that's how you do it. Yeah. Um, it was very fun. I had very, very fun. And one thing that, you know, now that I told you my age and things like one thing that I, I like to say is that I have, I'm very, very grateful that I have the possibility, you know, to work with so many young directors at the same time that I worked with Billy, who was actually older yeah. than me. But uh, I'm really thankful for having the possibility to work with young people. I think that the meeting there with, you know, the old stopping guy and uh, the crazy old people that, that creates something that's uh, fantastic. You did create something fantastic. I mean, clearly uh, everything you brought working with uh, Jonas's younger vision created something magical and you're right. People have responded. So I wish you the best of luck this Oscar season. Your editing was impeccable and uh, I can't imagine how hard it was to stitch together something so coherent out of this. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat. My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the editor for Flea, Janusz Baliskav Johnson here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Flea is currently playing in theaters from Neon and is contending for Best Documentary Feature, Best Animated Feature, and is the Danish entry for Best International Feature Film at this year's Academy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always and we shall see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? 
in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.